Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Hannah Grinacher on with me. She is a triathlete, a registered dietitian, and personal trainer, and she loves the routine of swimming, biking, and running and showing up every day to get the most of herself. So I'm super excited to chat with Hannah, and I, I told her before we hit record that she is my first triathlon um, and Ironman participant on the show. So welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. Yeah. So I want to kind of start with getting a little bit into your background and how you first discovered health and wellness. So with all of the things that you've done, is this something that's just been, you know, with you since childhood? Yeah, I, I grew up as a runner. Um, so I got into that pretty, I mean, as an early age, you know, when you do like the group fitness tests in, in, in elementary school <laughs> and it was my PT teacher, P teacher at that time that was like, okay, you, you can run. We should see what you can do there. Um, and then I originally just got into soccer that kind of bled over into track and cross country. Um, but I did everything growing up. I was no stranger to trying things. So whether that was hockey, volleyball, basketball, gymnastics, I wanted to be all of it. Um, but running was my main passion. So stuck with that all throughout high school and then into college and then it was actually in post-college when I met my now fiance that I got into multi-sport or triathlon. Mm. So how did, um, when did like the nutrition piece come into that puzzle for you? <laughs> That's kind of a funny story too, because I would, I remember sitting at our kitchen counter when I was like fifth or sixth grade. And when I would eat cereal for breakfast in the morning, I would be looking through my mom's recipe books because I always have been a foodie and I love to like read about recipes. And so I would literally just look at magazines and books while I was eating my breakfast. Um, and so it kind of started that way. And then my mom had these health magazines that would like just cover our coffee tables in our living room, our dining room. And so I would look at her health magazines and I was never inspired by the, like the, the diet advice. Cause she never really had like those types of magazines, like, how to lose five pounds this weekend. It was more of like, how do you, how do you build muscle or like, how do you recover from workouts? It was like her fitness magazines. And so I always grew up with this idea that like food was meant to fuel and, and meant to help you recover rather than something that you should restrict in order to change your body. So I, I felt like it started as a fairly early age and I just like grasped onto it. And then as I became more active, it became more important to me that I put a focus on, on food because I knew it could help me perform better. Oh, I love that. And I, that's such a unique perspective, um, to grow up. Cause I know that I did, I did not have that one. Like my mom was always on a diet and doing different diets. So that's really cool that you got to have a, a different experience growing up and, you know, having that modeled at such a young age, I can see how that can be super impactful in everything that you do now. Um, no shame, November. That was our, that was our <laughs> tagline for today's show. So we'll have yeah. to that. Yeah, um, no, I love that. Yeah, I know. It's and it's hard, I think, now. Um, and we'll get into that more later, I'm sure, but it's hard to have that perspective of like what can your body do versus what does it look like? I don't think anybody is is um is, you know, not privy to feeling those feelings sometimes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um yeah, so I think I'm gonna circle back to that because I wanna I wanna go a little bit deeper now into um kind of your Iron Man experience because I know you yeah. just came back from one. Um, so first, maybe telling people what is an Ironman, um, what it maybe takes to qualify for those, and then um, maybe a little bit about your last competition. Yeah. 
So Ironman is a new event for me. Um, an Ironman triathlon is, well, at least the full distance. So that's a 140.6 miles. So you start the, you start the race doing um, 2.4 miles of the swim. Um, that transitions into a 112-mile bike, and then you finish with a marathon. So that would be the full distance Ironman triathlon. And I do other events too. That's a 70.3. So that's where you're doing half of that distance. Um, But my first Ironman I completed um, last September of 2018 in Madison, Wisconsin. And it was kind of like a full circle moment for me because that's where I um, ran track and cross country for my undergraduate career. Um, and that ended a little bit on a sour note just because I did end up injured that, um, my fifth year and was unable to compete. So to go back and, and do an event like an Ironman triathlon was, was, um, so awesome. But I finished that. I was second overall as a female amateur, um, and second in my age group. So the, the gal who won was also in my age group. And so with that, there were two spots to qualify for the Ironman world championships within my age group. So luckily I was able to qualify to go to Kona, which that was my previous Ironman. So that's the one I just did about four weeks ago. Um, and I finished the Ironman world championships. I was seventh in my age group there and then 13th overall female amateur and then second American. That's um, so same distance covered, but it, we were just on the Island of Hawaii. Wow. So what was the difference between going from Wisconsin to Hawaii, um, terrain wise, or even the race wise, was it like mentally more grueling in one of those places? You know, it really wasn't. I am blessed to say that I have had amazing experiences in both of my Ironmans. Um, I think I had a new level of gratitude that I took into my Kona experience because I just, there was so much prep that went into that. And I'm not just talking the physical prep. I'm also talking the mental prep because every day that was like just weighing heavy on my mind, um, of, am I going to be healthy? Um, am I going to be able to show up on that day? Like fully prepared? Is my mind going to be on? Because in a long distance event like that, you've got to have everything firing on all cylinders. And so I was thankful that that happened for me on that day. Um, but they were very different experiences just in the sense of, yes, the terrain was different. I mean, I swam in the ocean in Kona where it was Mm. a lake in Wisconsin. (laughs) And then I, I biked up to the top of a mountain basically in Kona and you know, you were in farmland in Wisconsin. (laughs) And then I was, you know, running in 90, 90 degree heat in Kona and it was maybe 70 in Madison. So it was very different experiences, but, um, so, so rewarding for both. Mm. So how do you go about training for an event like that where you have, you know, three different apparatuses that you're doing? Um, like, so people can kind of maybe even wrap their brain around like the training it took for you to do that. Yeah, I am so blessed to have such a great coach. I'm so thankful for him. I hadn't had a coach ever in my triathlon career. I started triathlon in 2016. Um, I prepped for Ironman Madison on my own for 2018. And then at the end of 2018, I started working with my current coach and he has been incredible to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just so focused on the tiny details. Um, But he's also very smart in the way that he like progresses me towards something like the appropriate builds and when to back off. But every day I'm doing 
to disciplines. So I'll either like swim bike or I'll bike run or I'll swim run. So I'm always doing two of the three. Mm. And do you strength train in there too? I don't. Okay. Um, that's something that I'm looking to add in come January. Um, but it was just one of those things that with Ironman training, it just was so much time just spent working out, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the 20 to 22 to 23 hours of, of just swim, bike, run that adding in that strength, um, too much. I, well, a little too much. And I was also thinking that I was like, you know what, like I do get strength training when I'm swimming because I'm using like pull devices to help me actually like develop strength in my arms and biking is like, I'm already getting a lot of, a lot of resistance and, and time spent just developing my muscle there. So I didn't put a lot of focus towards the strength training, but that's something that I'm hoping to add in January. Mm. Now, if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to do an Ironman, but maybe they're working on their first like 5k or 10k. Are there any tips that you have for people, you know, when they're maybe just first starting out? Yeah, I would say that I think the biggest thing, um, find races that excite you. Mm -hmm. So whether that's like, you know what, my family's going to be able to watch me or I'm going to be able to travel to this race and I'm going to make an experience. And I would also encourage people if they're able to either from a financial or time aspect is to race more often mm. because you ra racing is a, is a dress rehearsal. It can help get you out of your shell. It can help meet more people. And it also dims down the racing experience because I think a lot of people do have a lot of race anxiety, mm. racing like that. And whether you're racing or running or, or, you know, biking or whatever and it's not necessarily you know what i'm not going for the win it it, it doesn't matter there's still going to be a little bit of anxiety there so the more you do it it just kind of dims it down because it doesn't make it like this is it like this is the only thing i'm doing and so it kind of just helps to still and kind of like like spread out that anxiety to multiple events rather than just kind of building you up towards one mm, that makes total sense um, now this month on our podcast, the theme is kind of listening to your body and yeah. I want to get some, maybe some examples of how you were able to do that, um, throughout your training. That's really difficult because I think, um, you know, like there's a, you know, mentally, I think most of us can, can do much more than physically we think we can. And so you're kind of always questioning, like, is this a mental thing or is this a physical thing? Mm -hmm. And so I would say most people probably are in a situation where it's mental just mm -hmm. because there's so much stress in our life. Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, like listening to your body is also understanding that if you only got five hours of sleep the night before, it's probably not the best idea to do the hardest workout that you have on your race and your, on your weekly calendar that following day. So I think it's kind of taking into account what's going on in your life. Um, what does the, what does the workout look like on that calendar and does it need to be modified? But I think in most situations, people will feel better once they move versus choosing not to move. Yes. Yeah. And then I, I think one of the things too, is when we think about like just moving, like just starting with something small, like, cause I think a lot of people are yeah. thinking I got to move and I got to do you know, 20 mile run or like, no, like you can just get on the treadmill and walk a mile or half a mile or a quarter of a mile, whatever it might look like. And, you know, yeah. start small rather than, you know, thinking it has to be this huge grandiose idea of what that workout looks like. And I would even recommend outside of even that, I would say if you can move that workout outside, yeah, 
That's my even favorite. better. I know that I see you working out outside yourself. Um, but I mean, there's there, I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big study reader. Um, and I know that there's flaws in research and stuff, but, um, I would definitely say that, I mean, the, the research is pretty clear that it's like even just 15 minutes spent outside nature can just even just like reset your hormonal system and like bring a whole new energy that you didn't think that you might be able to have. So maybe instead of grabbing that second cup of coffee, maybe, or third or fourth, maybe <laughs> just going outside for, um, even a walk could be helpful. Yes. Oh yeah. You're speaking my language. That is, I am all about that and nature and that is a strong you know, point for Ayurveda is getting outside. Um, now, one thing that you just brought up was, you know, instead of feeling yourself with the caffeine, um, you know, going outside. And I think that's a great segue into the nutrition aspect. So yeah. people can, you know, since you are a dietitian, I think people have, um, you know, maybe in their, in their heads built up like, oh, she must eat perfect and she must prescribe, you know, I have to have no cheat day and whatever. So I want to know a little bit about what is Hannah's philosophy on nutrition? Yeah, I think nutrition is such a is such an interesting topic. And I think the more people that I've worked with, and the more and I'm certainly I'm only 32. I know that my experience isn't as broad as somebody who's maybe, you know, in their 40s or 50s, even but from the amount of people that I've seen, it's there really is no one size fits all. And like the whole concept of like diet, which I don't necessarily love, but even just like, nutritional lifestyle is so suited to like certain people. Like some people do really well with choosing very high carb and low fat or um, choosing gluten-free versus not or going ketogenic versus not. And so I think it's really just depends on the individual person. But in terms of where specific, excuse me, specific foods fit, everything does. I think it just depends on your goals surrounding it. If your goal is to be, you know, have a healthy relationship around food, then absolutely, a hundred percent. I think any food can can fit into um, your normal everyday eating. But then again, if there is maybe somebody's like training for like a bodybuilding show or has very specific um, goals around body aesthetic, then you do have to be a little bit more rigid. So it kind of just depends on what a personal goal is, and then we kind of work backwards from there. But I do think that most people can fit foods that they enjoy. It's just kind of looking at, you know, what's the portion sizes around that that makes sense for them. Yeah. Now, um, when we're thinking about training, like the work that you're doing when you're training for your races versus not training for your races, I'm assuming your nutrition changes and your intake changes with the seasons. Yeah, it does. Yep. And so for the average person, I mean, I mean, unless they are, I don't know how many people listening do triathlons or Ironmans, maybe there are some, but <laughs> yeah. for the average person who maybe isn't doing that, do you recommend, you know, following something kind of year round, but eating seasonally? In terms of like the ingredients or yeah, like in terms of the amount of food? Cause I know sometimes in the winter, okay. like yep. we, you know, we just get like, we feel, well, for I'll talk personally, but like summertime, like I just feel lighter foods. Whereas the winter, I feel I crave the more heavier, the soups, you know, the stuff that keep you warm. And, mm -hmm. you know, do you see any of that changing throughout the seasons? Absolutely. And I think that's almost like, um, I mean, I, I just think that's what people, like you said, like naturally crave. I mean, you don't necessarily want very heavy soups and, and stews and, um, and it needs a lot of warm foods when, as the weather shifts to warm. So I think it's this kind of natural ebb and flow that the body adjusts to. 
and I think our bodies crave that for, for purposes that go even beyond just getting that fluctuation. Um, just because you're bringing in new nutrients and your body's responding to the, the different foods that you're bringing in. So I would say that my body definitely, like you mentioned, craves those warmer foods as this weather feels like that because it's comforting. And in that sense, a lot of times people do tend to crave carbohydrates more during this time of mm. year because of the changes of even just the amount of sunlight that we're getting. So again, like even just getting out outside and enjoying some fresh air could help diminish that a little bit. It wouldn't necessarily make you crave all of those carbs to get that serotonin hit that you'd want, or you could be getting through just stepping outside. Mm. And can we chat about carbs too? Cause I think this is a great Absolutely. place to do it. Cause that's one that I found um, just as of late, like that can be one that you know, women in particular get scared away from. And they're like, no, 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 I can't have carbs. And I'm like, I have carbs pretty much every meal. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I need them. I need them for my energy. And, you know, and it's kind of, you know, coming from you, like why might we need carbs in our diets? Well, I'm just going to take myself out of the equation from an endurance perspective. Cause I think most people would understand why an endurance athlete would need carbohydrate. Um, but even for those who aren't, you know, exercising with an Ironman triathlon in mind, like you said, still need carbohydrate. Um, it just depends on the amount and the types of carbs that would work best for them. So there are a few reasons why somebody would need carbohydrates beyond just satiety. So again, sometimes people think like, oh, like protein is really satiating. It's actually fat would probably be the most satiating, but carbohydrates can kind of just almost act as a filler. So beyond the satiation aspect, um, it's great for gut health because you're getting a lot of that fiber from carbs that you're eating. Um, and then it's fantastic for hormone balance. So I see a lot of females who are drop their carbs way too low. And then we start to get drops in metabolism because their thyroid starts to falter. Um, and then when the thyroid starts to falter, sex hormones start to change. So I think carbs by and large are not necessarily looked as a hormone savior, but absolutely can be. It's just the carbs that are going to be more fiber rich rather than the ones that are more processed and create like big blood sugar fluctuations. Yeah. And can you give examples of some of those fiber rich carbs? Yeah. So some of my favorite are, would be like the really like maybe starchier, um, root veggies. So if you're doing like beets, turnips, um, sweet potatoes, again, they're not like overly high in fiber. Um, but those are going to provide a ton of micronutrients and then still getting good quality carbs. Um, do they still raise your blood sugar? Absolutely. But you're getting some of the other added benefits of micronutrients and your body's going to respond differently to a sweet potato than it would a bowl of Rice Krispies. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I also, if, if somebody can tolerate grains, again, that can be a hot topic depending on where they're at, like with any type of chronic disease, um, would be like wild rice, brown rice. Um, I love using that. Um, and then avocados and even nuts and seeds um, or beans can have a lot of good um, carbohydrate too. So it kind of um, depends on what the person is able to tolerate. Um, and that's what I often do with um, some of my clients too, is just kind of trialing and erring just so we can find something that works for them. Yes. I love that you said that because the, the trial and error and just kind of testing, because we don't necessarily know, like, unless you map it all out and see what working and 
slowing down to pay attention to how it is affecting the body. Cause I find so many times like we might, you know, eat things, you know, I was just talking to one of my clients yesterday and she was saying her spouse would eat and then he immediately has to go to the bathroom. And she was like, he, him and his brother have been like this their whole lives. And I was like, well, that is not great. Not, that is not normal, but they've normalized it within themselves and within their family. And so, um, you know, just stuff like that, that we might deem as normal, where if we take a step back, we're like, oh, wait, is that normal? And then what is it that's affecting us like that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's always, it's always that thing is I don't know that there really is a normal. I think that there's common and uncommon, um, but I don't think anybody really knows what's normal. Yes. Cause everyone's normal for them is different. Like my normal is different from your normal, you know, and right. that's where we get into the, if everything we think that, Oh, well, this person says this, so I better do this. And that right. might not be the case for you. So cool. that's, that's something that I always tell people too, when they give each other diet advices at some of the fitness classes, and they're like, what do you think? I was like, well, that might work for her, but I don't know if it's going to work for you. You have to try and see and just, Oh, okay. You know, and just kind of, you know, it takes some time. It takes a little it bit. Does. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I, you know, also I think appreciate about what you're doing here and with the message is just like the, the shame and the guilt that we sometimes have around, you know, just having a treat food or, you know, like cheat days, you know, what is your philosophy on, you know, having those, what maybe we call indulgences thrown into your regular routine? I like to think of, and that's okay if those happen, you know, it, again, it can be maybe do a little bit more to season too. So this time of year, we tend to become a little, we have more stuff on our social calendar. So sometimes when I'm thinking of those little indulgences, if there's an experience around it, it changes, it changes the goal of it. So let's say, you know, you're, you're out for a walk with, you know, like your son, Andrea, and he was, you know, he really wants a donut. And that's on a Saturday morning. It's a beautiful fall and you decide to indulge in this donut. There's a different experience than if you were to just grab a donut on the way to your, on the way to your office and you're, you're eating it in your car. There's a different, there's a different feeling there. So yeah. I almost like to think of the feeling behind the choice that you're making. You know, is it a, is it a, you're having a roll of Oreos after a really stressful day or is it you're sharing a dessert with your husband on your 15th wedding anniversary? So it's kind of like, those indulgences are fine and you don't have to wait for big special events, but it's more of like the little things that you can share with somebody else. I think it's appropriate to think about. Oh, I love that. And that's Ayurvedically speaking, when we talk about eating, that's the same. It's, you know, what is your intention has so much to do with how you actually digest what you're eating. So if you're having that donut and you feel guilty about it, most likely that's just going to sit there and it's going to be sitting in your intestines and colon and not wanting to move because you felt so much guilt around it rather than just enjoying it, being in the moment and then just letting it process, digest and out it comes. So like that is yeah. where I, I totally understand and can see that point. Um, so thanks for bringing that one up. Um, another one I wanted to dive into because I think this one can be tricky around this time of the year is all of the holiday parties and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and people sometimes have trouble navigating, like do, do, you know, cause before we were told like eat before you go. Um, and then people are like, okay, I ate before I went. And then I still ate when I went there and then I drank too much and then that didn't work. So what are some kind of tips that you have around navigating some of these holiday situations? Um, and you know, if you still are trying to maintain, you know, your goals, you know, health wise. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is tricky because you're right. There's, there's a lot of tips in theory that you think would work well. Um, like you said, like maybe I'm going to have a snack before and I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, well, I probably still have something there if I, if I ate before. So then it's like, you're kind of doing like double whammy. But then if you're, if you're fasting going into something because you're like, I'm just going to save it up for this party. That's not an appropriate approach either. So I would say it's just eating normally. Mm. Um, if you're concerned, let's say this would really be only for those who have to follow a specific, excuse me, specific diet. So for those that maybe, um, are vegetarian or are gluten-free or don't consume dairy, those would be the types of situation that you might want to think about eating something before, because you couldn't end up in a situation where you, there isn't anything there that you can eat. So like if there is specific dietary concerns that you're concerned about, then I think eating a snack before is a good strategy just so that you don't go to a party and you're miserably because you are hungry. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's say you don't follow a specific diet and you do have this party that you're going to, and you know that there's going to be lots of temptation, whether that's alcohol, whether that's sweets, whether it's lots of snack foods, I would go in thinking about, again, what your intention is with the party. So if you have like a pre-planned idea of what your kind of night would like to look or feel like, I would set some, set some parameters around what you think would make you feel your best. So if it's like, you know what, I'm going to allow myself three drinks. I'm going to allow myself maybe one kind of dessert. And then I'm going to allow myself like a snack plate of food or whatever that ends up looking like for you. So just kind of giving yourself some like ideas of what you can expect going into it so that you don't just go in without a game plan. I think having a game plan is setting yourself up for having a good outcome. And then also sometimes I like to ask my clients thinking about how do you want to feel the next morning? So let's say the party is Friday or Saturday. How do you want to feel that next morning? Or how should you be feeling? Like if you've got kids, you certainly can't be in, the, in bed all day. Or if you've got some, some work that you have to do. Another option to not let yourself go off the rails at, a, um, at a, a party would be scheduling something for yourself the next morning. So you know that you're like, okay, I really can't go crazy because I do have this other thing planned for the next morning. Just so it kind of sets, um, sets your intentions to, just to be made sure that they're held. Especially if it's a workout class, because well, right there we go. Yeah, those those would be killer if you <laughs> you went a little crazy. <laughs> so if someone's listening and they're kind of like, okay, I'm I love this, but I'm like brand new to you know starting a fitness and maybe even paying attention to what they're eating. Do you have any steps for maybe that first workout or how to get people started with a habit change? Right. Habits are hard to change. Um, and I think that there's whole, that whole notion of it takes three weeks to make or break a habit. Yeah, no, no. It takes much longer than that. <laughs> um, I'm sure that you are, um, you're aware and you know that yeah. too. Um, and I would, I would ask too, Andrea, you probably are somebody that's been active their whole life, correct? I have been, yes. Okay. So in that case, like it's easier for us. It it's is. easier to make that decision because we've been doing it. It's kind of like somebody who started swimming when they were three years old. Like, even if they don't swim a ton right now, they're going to be much better than somebody who's just starting swimming when they're 27 because they have that muscle memory. It's, it's not something that has to be like a forced choice. It kind of comes naturally. And I'm not going to say that for like maybe everybody who started sports and had like, 
um, a mind around nutrition when they were like fifth grade or sixth grade like me, but it does come more naturally. Mm -hmm. So I'm certainly going to own up to that and say, you know what, like, it's not a hard choice for me. It's never been hard. So to think about, um, to think about like for me, a choice that I love to make and it's easy for me to make. It's hard for me to put myself in a, in shoes where it's like, Oh, that would be a really hard choice to make. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of that aspect is like, how can you make this something that's rewarding and fun to you? Um, and not rewarding or fun in a way that I mean that there's like a reward aspect in terms of food with it. I'm thinking of like, how is it something that you can build sustainability with? So is it like finding something that's somebody that's going to hold you accountable? whether that's a trainer, whether that's a partner that you work out with. Um, and how is it something that almost makes you, it's like hard to avoid. So if it's like, you know, the, your workout gym is on the way home from work or it's on the way to work. I still think you have to make a concentrated and dedicated choice to going, but it's going to be there to remind you. Um, and I think consistency can build habit too. So it's more of like, if you can just commit to doing something consistently over time, it's going to become a habit that you eventually ingrain. Yes. Yeah. And I totally agree with like the location of the gym. Cause on weekends, like occasionally I'm like, okay, I missed my, you know, Friday lifting session. I still want to get a lift in, but I don't have a gym, you know, besides you know, fit space, which is across the cities from where I live. So I'm like, all right, there's a gym right up the road. So I just have a 10, you know, class pass there. And then I'll yeah. pop in there on a Saturday because it's close. Like I can walk there if I wanted, you know, otherwise it's like literally a two minute car ride. And I found that helps me rather than having to drive all the way across to the gym that I'm usually at when I'm on that side of town. And so those little things, they, I mean, even if you do like to do it, those, that just extra effort of having to get in and drive like 20 minutes, like that, that takes time. Cause you're like, okay, it takes me 40 minutes in total. And then if you have young kids at home, you're like, well, I don't want to be away that long on the weekend. So all right. of that, I mean, it makes, those are all little factors that you can make those habits, you know, just that much easier by setting yourself up for success. And if you don't have a gym nearby, just because I'm from a rural, you know, community where there isn't any gyms really nearby, you know, having someone in the community that you can meet up with, you know, so having a partner or a neighbor that maybe you go walking together or, you know, you have like my mom and my sister-in-law live close, like they could go for walks, you know, down the gravel road and, you know, ways to, you can meet up and like have that, um, community and accountability in other ways. So right. To throw that out there. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So, um, I want to know what is next for you, Hannah? I know you are um, getting married soon. When is, mm -hmm. do you have you guys set a date? Yeah. So August 22nd, um, of next year. Um, yeah, we just got engaged in October. So it felt so quick to all of a sudden, um, set a date so soon, but I'm so excited about it. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be beautiful. I love late summer. Um, and it's right around the Brainerd area. So I'm really excited. Oh, I love it. Don't worry. I, we said it, we got engaged, I think in December and we were married <laughs> June 6th. So, Oh, wow. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so we were very you know fast too. Let's just do it. <laughs> like, all right. I mean, we had dated for like six years, I think before we got married. So we've been together for a while. <laughs> yeah. And that's us too. So it was kind of one of those things. Like we've already, you know, Done feel this. like a married couple, but just sealing the deal. <laughs> yep. We're like, might as well do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what about any triathlons or Ironmans on your plate for 2020? 
Yeah. So my fiance and I are both competing in Ironman St. George next May. Where's that one? Um, that is just outside Las Vegas, actually. So still Utah. Um, it's gorgeous. Um, I think it's going to provide another challenge because we're going to have to do a lot of volume indoors, but thankfully both of us do love riding our, um, fat tire bikes as well. So we can just do a lot of volume on our bikes outside. Um, and then the goal in that race would hopefully be to qualify for the Ironman world championships in Kona again, which is in October. So then that would be part of our honeymoon. <laughs> so that would be amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm, we're hoping that we can make that work. There's a lot of things that we have to like, would have to align. We both have to have a great race and everything, but we're hoping that, um, we hope we can make it work. Oh, that'd be so cool. Oh, well, yeah. Um, so if people are like, how can I keep up with you and see if how that all works out? Um, where can they connect with you at Hannah? So I do post, um, I did actually post weekly on our fit space blog, um, heading into the Ironman world championships, just kind of giving an update where, where I was at with the training. Um, and that was at www.thefitspace.com slash blog. So I have a lot of back, um, backlogged posts there and I probably will be sharing a lot of my story heading into Ironman St. George on there as well. Otherwise I will be on the Ironman tracker app, which you can find in any smartphone. Um, and the race is May 2nd. So it's a long time to think about and you can't log my race entry number or anything in yet. So, um, I guess we'll just have to hopefully remember that the listeners <laughs> or hopefully yes. the listeners can remember that I'll be racing in May. <laughs> yes. And you're on Instagram as well. I am. Yep. At Hannah Grinocker. Perfecto. And I'll put that all in the show notes. Oh, so, perfect. Thank you. Yes. And I have a one final question. So yes. I like to ask a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And when I have guests on, I have you kind of throw out a little challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Mm, so a daily challenge complete for a week. Sure. It can be daily if you want. So I'm going to keep it simple. Um, I think sometimes people ask for three things and that could just be hard. Um, just because it's, you know, it's good to do it one day, but then it falls off quickly. I would ask people to finish their day. Maybe it's right before they fall asleep. Think of one thing that they were super grateful for that day. And it could be as basic as like, I'm really thankful for our dishwasher. Like, even if it's just that, um, but I think gratitude can make or break our attitudes toward anything. Um, so I would just center it back around that. And especially just in the theme with Thanksgiving next week. Mm, I love that. And that I don't have a dishwasher. And so I don't I'm either. very grateful for one. So yes, I feel you on that. <laughs> and I'm okay just like washing my own dishes, but yes. I just, you know, I just wanted to keep it simple that it doesn't yes. have to be like, I'm so thankful for the birds on the trees. And, you know, it could be just something super mundane. I love it. I love yeah. that. And yes, having, not having one for now a couple of years, cause we, this house that we bought, we didn't notice it didn't have a dishwasher when we bought it until we did the walkthrough. Oh yeah. Very, our land or the guy who our real estate guy was like, Oh, I hope that's not an issue. We're like, Oh, whatever we'll make do. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Here we are. And it's been fine. Like, you're just like, oh, it's kind of like a meditation as you wash the dishes. So Right. I agree. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on and sharing oh, all of your you. wisdom and your stories. Oh, I appreciated the time so much. Um, I'm looking forward to following more of your podcast. Yay. Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.